Let us pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Old Testament reading this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Listen for the word of the Lord. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox." The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. On this first, uh, on the first Sunday in Advent, Reverend Scholler preached from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, about the end of the age, that the day an hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Reverend Scholler encouraged us to live like the end of age is coming someday, not live as if today is the last day. Reverend Scholler encouraged us with these words, live faithfully as we can because today will not last forever. This second Sunday in Advent, we light the second candle, which represents peace. We thank God for the promise of peace as we wait in anticipation of the coming Christ. In today's scripture, we see God loves us so much that he moves John, also known as John the Baptist, to announce Christ's coming. 
Our New Testament reading is found in the book, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Listen for the word of the Lord. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all of Judea and all the region around the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, bear fruit worthy of repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I, and I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is, at, is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear God, use me as your vessel to speak your truth. Be with us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today's sermon title is Repent, Repent. As I read the text, I could not help but compare Matthew's text with the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 provide details of the historic world context by naming the Roman and Jewish leaders. Luke sets the time and names the leaders who were descendants of the harsh ruler Herod the Great. He also names the appointed high priest. In the fifth year of the reign of Empress Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iteria and Triconitus, and Licinius, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. The Gospel of Luke is very detailed. Matthew, on the other hand, begins the passage by saying, in those days... Maybe Matthew's phrase in those days 
is like one speaking today about the Great Depression of the late 1920s and 30s. In those days, following the stock market crash, hundreds of people stood in line to receive meals. As I read Matthew's passage, I felt the urgency about the message of repentance. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This morning, I want to focus on a specific group of people who came to the wilderness to see John the Baptist. Many people came to John to confess their sins and be baptized. Then he saw some unexpected people. He saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for his baptism. He said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Good question, John. Why did the Pharisees and Sadducees show up to be baptized? And why was John so offset by their presence? Well, the Pharisees and Sadducees represented the upper class of society. They were powerful. They had everything they needed and more. Fine clothing, housing, and food. They wanted for nothing. But many Bible scholars suggest that historically in the Judaism of Jesus' time, the Pharisees and Sadducees were opposing religious parties, unlikely to work together. Matthew is not reporting the historical situation of John's time, but wishes to describe the Jewish opposition as a united front, already manifesting itself against John the Baptist, as it would later against Jesus. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Brothers and sisters, do you know anyone who showed up unexpectedly to benefit or receive something they were not quite eligible to receive? They probably thought to themselves, I know someone who can move me to the front of the line, or I have a friend who can set aside that new item just for me. Or maybe he or she thought, my neighbor can get me a VIP ticket in that special event that is already sold out. Who warned you to come? John the Baptist called out the Pharisees and Sadducees for being opportunistic. John had a message for them, a message of repentance. The religious leaders in those days probably didn't realize the significance of John's, uh, the role that John played in God's story, but thank God we have the Holy Scripture to tell us the story today. You see, John was not like other prophets of his time. Yes, John was a prophet, he had followers, he had disciples, but he did not dress or live like the other prophets. He did not even eat like the other people of his day. The passage tells us John appeared in the wilderness dressed in camel's hair with a belt around his waist, and his diet was locusts and wild honey. 
quite the opposite of the religious leaders of his time. Indeed, a stark difference from the Pharisees and Sadducees dressed in flowing robes of the finest fabrics. Coming from the, metrop uh, the metropolitan areas of Jerusalem and Judea where rich foods and elegant fashions were the norm for the Roman and Jewish leaders. John's appearance led many to believe he was Isaiah, the prophet of old, returned to them. His message of repentance in the wilderness recalled the passage in Isaiah 40 and 3 that says, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. John was the forerunner of Jesus. And Matthew makes John and Jesus parallel and complementary figures. John, of course, subordinate to Jesus. In chapter 3, verse 2, uh, equal to chapter 4, verse 17, where both John and Jesus respectively proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Other parallels include chapter 3, verse 5, with chapter 4, verse 23, as well as chapter 3, verse 7, with chapter 23 and verse 33. In the wilderness, John proclaimed a message of repentance and baptized those who confessed and turned away from sin. The wilderness represented a place of transformation away from worldly things. During the Israelites' exodus, they found deliverance from Egypt by God in the wilderness. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and he met the devil's temptation with the word of God causing the devil to retreat. The wilderness, both literally and figuratively, was a place of prophetic hope. In the wilderness, John challenged the Pharisees and the Sadducees to turn from their sinful ways of overindulgence and lording over the people. He challenged them to leave the comforts and securities they had in their cities and come to repent and transformation found in the wilderness. John called for the religious leaders to stop resting on the merit of their ancestor Abraham and to do something worthy of repentance, bear good fruit. John said, even now the ax is lying at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. The image of the ax at the root of the tree indicates the coming eschatological judgment that is already prepared in the, belief, in the brief interval between uh, when it begins, John sees the judgment already on the horizon and is the basis for his urgent call of repentance. Here, Matthew understands John's original preaching in a Christian sense 
inclusion in the holy people of God and acceptance at the last judgment is based not on descent from Abraham and belonging to empirical Israel, but on response to the call to decision, to baptism, and to the corresponding fruits. God knew the hearts and minds of the religious leaders and used John to warn them to do the right thing, be transformed, love God and neighbor. John the Baptist knew his mission was to prepare the way for the Lord, our Savior, Jesus. He resisted the temptation to be like the other prophets of his day. He called the people to repent before it was too late. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God is calling us to repent, to be ready because the kingdom is he of heaven is near. Bear good fruit. What does this mean for us today? And what should we do about it? Well, the meaning for us today is the same as it was for those in the wilderness with John the Baptist. We are called to repent, confess, turn from our sins. Yes, we live in a sinful world, but we don't have to be of this world. God created us to have free will. We can choose to do the right thing. Daily, we are met with a variety of choices. Our school-aged children may choose not to join in with the crowd bullying another student and may choose to get help from the teacher. Our college students may choose to be responsible with their time and hang out with their friends only after they have completed all of their assignments. And yes, adults may choose to give up free time in order to help someone in need. So we will be busy making good decisions and fighting temptations of this world because there will be temptations lurking at every corner. But God gives us the ability to resist temptation. We have the ability to turn from sin and resist temptation through prayer and fasting. Some of us might be planning to fast in the new year because we have succumbed, and I'm really talking about myself, to temptation over the holiday foods and treats. But all jokes aside, when we are intentional about spending time with God in prayer and taking a break from those things that distract us from God, we not only grow closer in relationship with God, but we find strength to move away from the things that tempt us the most. My father-in-law says, prayer changes things, and I am a firm believer. I meet with the prayer team, and, and each time that we pray together, whatever tension uh, that I had entering into that prayer session is completely lifted by the time our prayer time has come to an end, and it's a good feeling. But the icing on the cake is the thanksgiving prayers that we lift up when prayers have been answered.
Prayers provide hope and strength to live a life in Christ, even in the midst of this challenging world. Finally, friends, when we turn from sin and grow our relationship with God through prayer, bearing fruit will follow. We will want to participate in the body of Christ, sharing God's word with others, loving our neighbors as ourselves, and helping those who are in need. The more we spend time with God and followers of Christ, the more we want to spend time with God and fellow Christians. It's a cycle. John said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Friends, this is the good news. For us today, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Bear good fruit. Amen. Amen.